0: Well, good morning again, 59th Street family. Um, Today, we're actually going to finally start um, our new sermon series. I'm very excited for this, um, called Tales of Timeless Wisdom, where we explore through the wisdom literature in scripture, and we actually talk about how we can start to incorporate some of these truths into our lives. And so as we start our series today, um, we'll be starting with perhaps one of the most famous books of wisdom in scripture, Uh, the book of Proverbs, uh, specifically Proverbs chapter 1. And the way that Proverbs is written is a lot like a father uh, writing or speaking to his child to instruct them in wisdom. And I think in all of our lives, we can probably remember a pretty formative moment in our childhood where our parents helped illuminate or guide us on the path that is life, whether it was our mom guiding our hands as we scribbled our first few letters, or maybe our father's uh, more stern voice teaching us right from wrong, all of these early interactions helped set the stage for the road that we would walk on for the rest of our lives. And I think for decades, psychological research and doctors, they've all been delving into the topic of how important early childhood experiences are how much of our lives are dictated by our nature, right, our DNA, so on and so forth, Uh, but also how much of it is dictated by our nurture, by our friends that we make, by the family that we are in. And one of the most consistent findings has been the undeniable link between our parents' nurture and the trajectory of our lives. Uh, What the research is trying to say is that it is through nurture that sets the foundation for all of our decisions, for all of our actions, our goals, our desires, and even our relationships for many, 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 many years to come. And the University of Minnesota, they actually proved this. They did a very vast longitudinal study of parents and children starting from 1975, and it's still ongoing today, so it's in its 48th year of study. And what the researchers were trying to understand was one key thing. How did the emotional bond what psychologists call attachments, right? How did this emotional bond or this attachment between a child and their primary caregiver influence the child's later life? And the results are pretty startling, but also pretty obvious. Children who experienced secure attachment in their early years, those who felt unconditionally loved, supported, and understood by their caregivers, they were observed to live better lives even 48 years later. They had higher self-esteem, they had better decision-making skills, and an enhanced ability to handle stress and adversity. But most importantly, these individuals were also able to form healthier relationships with other people. They had higher levels of empathy, higher levels of understanding, and they actually had a genuine concern for the well-being of other people around them. on the opposite end of the spectrum, right? Those who did not experience this form of emotional bond with their parents, they often spiraled into personal struggles, but they also had very strained relationships with other people as well. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because what the research shows is that when a child is set on the right path, when they are set on the right path by their parents, each step they take, right, every decision, every internet interaction, all of that is influenced by this foundational relationship and all of the wisdom and all the security that comes with it. And that sort of foundational relationship not only personally improves their life, but also radiates outward. It radiates outward as they interact with others around them. And so from the love, wisdom, and care from their parents, not only do they influence their own life, but, they, but through their parents' love, they now influence the lives of those around them. And so as we're about to take a look at Proverbs 1, I, I want us to think about it from this perspective. This book is given to us by our Heavenly Father, who desires to care for us, who shows us his love, who desires us to grow in wisdom. And this book is not just a guide for our personal individual righteousness, but it also becomes a blueprint for how our personal journey with God intertwines with our community, with those around us. This book is about how God's love and wisdom radiates out from us and touches those around us. And so with that said, uh, why don't we take a first, uh, why don't we take a look at the very first few verses in Proverbs. And reads, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their understanding, let the discerning get guidance, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you guys take a look at Proverbs, I think chapter 9, it also says that the fear of the Lord is also the beginning of wisdom as well. Now, I want to start this sermon off by taking a look at the very last verse of this passage, Right, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and the beginning of wisdom as well. And it is this relationship with God, this, quote-unquote, fear, that sets us on the right path. I want us to imagine, just for a moment, right, that for for some magical reason, right, you're teleported out out of this church building, and for some reason you find yourself standing at the entrance of this vast and dense forest. And in front of you, you see all these various paths, right? Some are very clear and well-trodden, while others are a little more obscure and hidden. However, you're told that only one of these paths will lead you out of the forest. Every single other path will leave you trapped inside. And so you're wondering at this point, like, oh, shoot, there's so many paths. Which path do I take? When all of a sudden, someone comes up to you and hands you a compass. The compass obviously it doesn't tell you how difficult the journey is in front of you or the exact variations this path is going to take, but it will always point to you in the right direction. And in that sense, that is what wisdom is like. Wisdom doesn't always give a blueprint for all the twists and turns we experience in life, but it always shows us the right way as it grounds us in spiritual truth. And at its heart, wisdom is not just about acquiring knowledge or or even mastering life skills. I think that's very surface level. At its heart, wisdom is a deeply spiritual endeavor. It's about discerning and staying on the path that draws us closest to God. And so when the biblical author, when he speaks of fear of the Lord, they're not referring to some sort of paralyzing dread, but rather to a profound reverence, to a profound relationship. To acknowledge with deep respect God's infinite wisdom and infinite authority and to acknowledge that for us, the only way for us to live well is to stay as close as possible to God. To stay as close to God's infinite goodness. To stay as close to God's infinite wisdom. And all these attributes are found in him alone. And if we think about wisdom like that, then a lot of our Christian journey about growing closer to God, wisdom is literally to grow more spiritually, to be more like Christ, to be closer to Christ, to know Christ. And as we look at our passage, we realize that literally to grow spiritually is to grow in wisdom because it is God's wisdom that always draws us closer to Him. And because of this, to grow in our relationship with God also means that we are growing in wisdom as well because we cannot help as we get closer to God, as we hear more from God's wisdom. We cannot help but to take what we have learned from him and apply it in our lives. So what does it practically look like to, quote-unquote, fear the Lord, to have this relationship of absolute respect and reverence? I think for us, it means complete and total surrender. It means complete trust and completely aligning our will with God's will, a will that spans beyond just our lives and into our world. And I think in order for us to surrender fully, it requires humbleness and humility. Let's take the the forest metaphor that that we spoke of earlier, right? You know that there's only one path that leads out of this forest, uh, but you also have the complete freedom to go in any direction you want, right? You can take the most well-traveled path, thinking that, hey, it's probably the safest road since most people have taken it. Or maybe you're a little different, right? You you have a sense of adventure, a sense of thrill, so you choose the the more hidden road. But what do you actually need to do to make it out alive? Well, first, you need to trust the person who gave you the compass, right, that they're not lying to you to begin with. But you'd also need to completely trust that the compass will always point you in the right direction, that even when you see a fork in the road, it will always point you to the path that is correct. And so let's say you decide to follow the compass, you're walking along this path, and all of a sudden you do come across a fork in the road. And to your left, you see a path leading to a grove of delicious fruits, and to your right, you see a path leading straight to thorns. And you look down at your compass, and it points straight to the thorns. What do you do? you know, if, you, if, if it was me, you know, I'd smack it a few times, and you are be like, oh man, this thing is faulty, you know, shake it a bit, you know, look at it again. And it still points to the road that goes through thorns. Other people, they might just throw away the compass entirely, and they run straight to the grove of fruits. But in order for us to literally go through this path of thorns that this compass is pointing to, it requires us to completely surrender to trust not in ourselves, to trust not in our desires, but to stay on the right path no matter what may come our way. And that requires for us to really develop this humbleness, this humility in our hearts. But the beautiful thing is, as we actually do continue to follow this compass, the trees begin to become less dense. The sunlight begins to shine more through the canopy of leaves. The air is sweeter and fresher. And as you finally take your very last step, you look up and you see you're out of the forest, and before you is this vast field of grass and hills. The warmth of the sun finally envelops you, and, and, the wild, and the wind just runs through you here. And I think this is what our spiritual lives and what growing in wisdom is like. It is God's wisdom that sets us on the right path, and to grow in wisdom is to align our hearts and our steps to take this right path. And for us as Christians, as we take not only our very last step, but also our very last breath, we will wake up on the other side to find ourselves in paradise. And so one of the questions that remain is, well, how exactly do we make the right steps on this right path? And I think the secret is found in verses four to five where it says this. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their understanding, and let the discerning get guidance. And the thing about Proverbs is that it was a book that is meant to be meditated on or thought about throughout your life, right? It's not like some sort of fiction book that you kind of pick up once and you just read it through and you put it down and never touch it again, right? And I always find it awesome that the book of Proverbs has 31 chapters. And so for us as modern Christians, we can read literally one chapter a day and start again the following month and just read through Proverbs over and over and over and over again. Now, whether this is intentional, that Proverbs intentionally has 31 chapters, I have no idea since I'm not an expert on ancient calendar systems. Uh, but nonetheless, it's something that we are encouraged to meditate on daily, every single day. But Proverbs isn't the only book that we should be meditating on, but all of scripture is God's wisdom, is all of, all of scripture is God's word, right? And so as the Israelites, as they begin their journey and relationship with God, they're commanded by God to keep all of their commandments close to their hearts, right? If you guys have your Bibles, you can turn to Deuteronomy 6, you can read that there, or also in the, in the scripture reading earlier, right? They're, they're commanded to impress these commandments into their hearts, they're, They're commanded to teach them to their children. They're commanded to talk about it the moment you get home, and also the moment you leave the house, before you sleep and right after you wake up, the first and last thing that should be on your mind is God's Word. And so for those of you who are young in your spiritual faith, staying in God's Word is one of the most important disciplines you can ever develop since God's word is the only true compass that can keep you on the right path. And I think the issue I see with young Christians is that they have the compass, but they never look at it. And so what's the point of having a compass if you never look at it for a direction? Likewise, how can we follow God if we aren't even listening to what he has to say to us on a daily basis? But likewise, to those who are older in our faith, it's still important for us to be rooted in the word i love what solomon says here in verse 5 he says this let the wise listen and add to their understanding no matter how many times we read scripture there is always something new we can learn there there's always something weak that we can strengthen and work on And since God's wisdom is literally infinite and inexhaustible, there's no limit to how much we can grow as Christians. And so no matter how deep our understanding is already of Scripture, of theology, God's wisdom is even deeper. So what does this mean practically? It means we are consistently reading. We're consistently studying and meditating on Scripture on a day-to-day basis. It is literally our daily bread, our daily meal that is sustaining us and growing us in wisdom and, of course, in our spirituality. Of course, we are all human. We miss a day here and there, but it's not something that we read once and put down. It's not something that we'll get to later. It's the one and only thing that will guide us to make the best and right decisions in our lives. It is the only thing that will transform us into Christ-likeness. And so whether it's our first time reading through scriptures cover to cover or our hundredth time reading it, there's always more wisdom to glean. However, there is a trap. To meditate on God's word is not enough. If we remember earlier, way, way earlier in our sermon, right, we spoke of how when parents set their child on the right path and instruct them on the right steps, it not only positively influences their lives, but also the lives of those around them. And the big part of wisdom is that wisdom is not just knowledge. It's not just about being able to recite truths or know how many books are in the Bible and say them in order. Wisdom is knowledge applied and lived out. It is to take what you have learned, contextualize it to your own life so that you can use God's word to be a blessing, not just to yourself, but to be a blessing to those around you. And in Proverbs, we literally see this, right? If we take a look at verses 2 to 3, we see this immediately. He says this, for gaining, right? Why are we writing Proverbs? For gaining wisdom, instruction, understanding, words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior. Why? What's the purpose of receiving and learning and understanding all these things? To do what is right, to do what is just, to do what is fair to other people. And so growing in our spirituality is not just staying on the right path or making the right steps just for our own gain. The entire purpose of wisdom is actually to foster right relationships. we actually see this in Scripture, right? If obeying God's law allows us to grow in our relationship with God and in our spirituality, then God's law actually tells us to do two things, right? To love God, right? That's staying on the right path and making the right steps. But just as importantly, we are also to love our neighbor, to develop these right relationships. And so when we look at our desire to grow spiritually or to grow in wisdom, it's not just thinking about our relationship with God or even our relationship with ourselves. Rather, God has granted us this wisdom in order to be a blessing to everyone around us. And if this is true, And it doesn't matter how much biblical knowledge you have memorized. It doesn't matter how much biblical knowledge you can regurgitate. If this knowledge or wisdom never translates into fostering right relationships, then we have missed the mark. So what does this mean practically for us on an individual level? It means this, that we can measure the quality of our faith by watching how we act with others. Let me repeat that one more time. We can measure the quality of our faith by watching how we act with others. In college, I'll I'll tell you a very embarrassing for me, but for you guys, hopefully, it might be a little amusing. In college, um, there was this one girl that I had a mega crush on. Um, I really liked her a lot. She she displayed Christian values and ethics. She genuinely didn't like to curse. She had very traditional views on on romance and marriage. Um, She obviously had a tremendous heart to serve. And because of all that, I obviously liked her a lot. Um, I would never do anything to hurt her or make her feel upset. And because we are all broke college students at that point, um, sometimes I would even get her lunch um, when she didn't have the money. And that was a big sacrifice on, on my part, because after I bought her lunch, you know, I'd, I'd open up the Chase app on my phone, and I'd be like, oh, my balance is now $3, okay. Now, obviously, I, I won't get into more embarrassing details, but the point is that you could definitely tell through my actions that I was very, very interested in this girl. And the question is, well, why did I treat her well? I obviously had no obligation to, right? I could just treat her like any other person. Was I maybe trying to win her affection? Well, maybe, but that wasn't my number one priority. Because I loved and cared for that person, those thoughts and feelings that I had inside me, they would always manifest through my words and through my actions. It was through my words and actions that she was able to clearly see how I felt about her. Now, needless to say, it didn't work out. uh, But the point of the matter is that if my faulty human love, if my faulty, imperfect human love sought the well-being of this girl, then how much more if God's love and God's love for all people genuinely lived in me. How much more would I be a blessing to others, right? If I'm truly in tune with Christ, if I'm truly walking on the same path as Christ, then I cannot help. I cannot help but to be a blessing to others. I cannot help but to seek their goodness. I cannot help but to define our relationship through love and through fairness. And all of this is done when we finally have God's wisdom in our hearts, where we are taught by the Word of God what it means to love, truly love, what it means to treat others fairly, what it means to be a good husband, a good wife, or a good friend. And all of this shows up in all of our relationships, whether we are someone's bosses or whether we are under someone ourselves. When God's love and wisdom intersect in our lives, we will always create foster, and maintain godly relationships. And so as I end this sermon, I, I want to end it with a challenge, but also with an encouragement as well. All of the messages that I have created, that Andy and Novi has created, all of these messages created are meant to be a blessing. Literally, they are meant to be a blessing to you all. It's meant to encourage you. It's meant to help you grow deeper in your own faith and also sometimes it's meant to convict when necessary. But all of our time spent in scripture, spent in study, is literally for you. It's not to boost my knowledge, it's not to boost my ego, it's literally all spent for you. But we are also the church-sent. We're not just church-gathered, we're also the church-sent. And we become the pastors and ministers wherever we go. We are actually all the ambassadors of Christ. Not just me alone, not just Pastor Stephen or Pastor Novi. All of us are the ambassadors of Christ. And so I want to encourage you, first, to do your daily Bible readings, right? Since that's what allows you to get in tune with God and God's wisdom. But second, as you hear and learn from God himself, pray and ask God to allow you to deliver those words of wisdom to someone else. The point is that we do not keep this love, we do not keep this wisdom, we do not even keep this gospel message for ourselves. And as the prophet Isaiah has once said, he said this, right? How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who says to Zion, who also says to New York City, who says to Brooklyn, your God, Amen. Brothers and sisters, why don't you just join me for a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we we thank you that you have taught us what true wisdom is, to stay on the right path, to make the right steps, but also to develop these correct and right relationships. Lord, we want nothing more and to develop this sort of wisdom within us. And so, Father, we pray that before we even leave this church today, while we are still here, we pray that you will fan this fire in our hearts to know you so that we can be a blessing, not just to ourselves, but to be a blessing to others. We pray that we'll be able to translate every little bit of theological knowledge or every passage of scripture we have memorized. We pray that we'll be able to translate that to bless those around us. Father, we acknowledge, right? A lamp does not just shine for itself, but it makes the whole room bright. So allow us to be like that. Let us never turn off our spirituality. Never let us turn off our desire for wisdom. Let us never cover it up so that no one can see it. But develop within us, Father, the courage to be your chosen people in this broken world. We pray all of this in your precious son's name. Amen.